Hello, Cathedral family and friends. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I am so glad that you've joined us today. In just a few moments, you're gonna hear an interview from an amazing lady, Ruthie Bolton, and I know it's gonna be an inspiration to you. But before we do that, as we get things started, today is Father's Day. And not only do we celebrate the place that our earthly father has in our lives, but we also remember that we have a heavenly father who loves us, who cares for us, that Jesus has invited us into that kind of connection with God. In fact, when Jesus taught us to pray, our father, that was revolutionary at the time. Nobody talked to God like that. But Jesus takes that relationship that is his by right, and he shares it with us. And so I invite you to say that prayer with me. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. We have a Father with a great name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For Father, we trust you and your good plan. Give us this day our daily bread. Father, we know that you're the giver of every good and perfect gift in our lives. And we come to you today and ask that you would give us what we need. Forgive us of our sins as we have forgive those who have sinned against us. Father, thank you for being such a gracious, loving, persevering Father. You've never given up on us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us, Father. We need you. We need you to deliver us from the evil one. And it's all about you, Father. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, and yours is the glory forever and forever. Amen, amen, and amen. Are you ready to worship our heavenly Father? Pastor Vaughn, lead us. Welcome, Cathedral of Faith. It's time to worship the Lord. Everybody is welcome in the Father's house. Let's worship him together. Well, sometimes on this journey, I get lost in my mistakes. What looks to me like weakness is a canvas for your strength. And my story isn't over. My story's just begun. Failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does. Yes, failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does. not the end game the journey's where you are you never wanted perfect you just wanted my heart and the story isn't over if the story isn't good 
A failure's never final when the father's in the room. Yes, believe it. A failure's never final when the father's in the room. Ooh, lay your burdens down. Ooh, here in the father's house, check your shame at the door, cause it ain't welcome come home the helpless find hope and love is on the move when the father's in the room yes thank you prison doors fling wide the dead come to life love is on the move when the father's in the room hey! miracles take place the cynical find faith and love is I hope you heard that. You are in your Father's house, your Heavenly Father's house, right there even in your home. And here's exactly what we do with that song says. It says, we lay our burdens down. Whatever burden you're carrying right now, I just want you to toss it at the feet of the Father. And you might be saying, but Pastor Wayne, you don't know the shame I'm wearing. Well, you know, whatever shame it is that you've got on your back, he says, just check it out the door. In this moment, we can lay all those things down because our Heavenly Father loves us and cares for us. He's working in this moment. So we trust that in this moment, you'll experience the power of the words of Scripture in that song, that hope is here. There is hope for the hopeless. So may you receive hope in your house there as you celebrate our Heavenly Father. Well, speaking of Heavenly Father, Happy Father's Day to all of our dads out there. So glad to have you join us. Give me a wave if you're out there watching. I just wanna speak a blessing on you right now. Lord, bless our dads with wisdom. Bless our dads with peace. Bless our dads with grace. Bless our dads with hope. And may each of our fathers have the same resolve that that biblical dad Joshua had when he said, as for me and my house, 
we will serve the Lord. Bless our households in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, welcome to Cathedral of Faith. We trust in this moment you are experiencing the presence of your heavenly father right there. Well, speaking of Father's Day, I need to have a dad talk with us right now. Um, when I was raising our boys with Diane, we had to, I had to have these dad talks every once in a while. You know, sometimes they had questions. Sometimes I had things that I felt like I wanted to tell them before they found out someplace else. And so here's the question I want to address with you. What does it mean to be fruitful and multiply? I'm glad you asked. Because part of that is, it's the first words God said to Adam and Eve, but it's the last words Jesus says to his disciples. Our call is to be fruitful and multiply. Now, it just doesn't happen by itself. We get to cooperate with God in that process. And here's how it happens. As we began to regather, we're asking you to prayerfully consider how you could be part of blessing the next generation, being fruitful and multiplying by finding a place to serve here at Cathedral. I know you're there at home right now, but we trust you'll be back with us soon, and we could sure use your life and your story and your gifts to help bless our COF kids. We're looking for men and women, yes, dads too, who can come out be part of our children's ministry. Maybe you can't teach, you'd like to assist. Maybe you say, I don't know what to do. We'll train you, we'll teach you everything to do. There's so many ways you can be part of multiplying the future and being part of what God's doing here at Cathedral. There are other ways behind the scenes. Our tech team, working cameras, sound. There's so many places you could serve. We'll train you. And so we invite you to go to our church website, and on the upper right-hand corner, you'll see the little hamburger there. You click on it, it'll drop down, say volunteer. Go there. We'd love to have you help us serve. That's how you can help us be fruitful and multiply. Well, one more invitation I have for you. In 15 months, September of 2022, Pastor Kurt and I are going to be taking a group to the Holy Land. We'd love to have you join us. And next Sunday, following both services at 1015 and 1215, we're going to have an orientation to answer questions, tell you what it's all about, and we'd love to have you join us. You know, Pastor Ken's teaching us right now from the Word about the importance of stepping out of the boat. You know, the very place that happened on the Sea of Galilee, we actually go out on a boat on the Sea of Galilee, that very place, and get to have that profound experience of walking where Jesus walked. So we hope you'll join us. Well, you can't get through Father's Day without some dad jokes. Here we go. Knock, knock. Who's there? Israel. Israel who? Israel, good to see you. Even though I know we're separated. Knock, knock. Who's there? Isaiah. Isaiah, Isaiah prayer for you every day. <laughs> knock, knock. Who's there? Heaven. Heaven, Heaven we had enough knock, knock jokes. <laughs> well, okay, just one more. Where can you always find money? In the dictionary. Oh. Well, also, hopefully in the cathedral offering. And there are many ways you can give. You can go online to our app. You can go to our website. You can text the number on the screen, or you can write out a check and mail it to us or bring it by the church office. We'd love to see you. Well, one more. Knock, knock. Saul. That's all for now. Here's Lauren with the announcements. Well, hello, Cathedral friends and family. Thanks so much for being with us today. Here's what's going on in and around Cathedral. First, it's time to roll up your sleeves, grab your paintbrushes, and get ready for paint night. 
This Saturday, one of our very own Cathedral family members will be walking us through how to create our very own masterpieces. Paint night is a great opportunity for a date night, for a family night, or for a fun girls night out. There's no experience necessary, and we're gonna have a great time. You can sign up by going to our website, cathedraloffaith.org, scroll down, click on paint night, and there you go. There is limited seating for this event, so you wanna be sure to sign up soon. Well, we just wanted to take a moment to wish all the dads out there a happy Father's Day. Thank you so much for all that you do. Well, as always, for the latest and greatest of what's happening here at the church, you can follow us on social media, visit us at the church website, or give us a call at the church office. We would love to hear from you. Have a great weekend and... Happy Father's Day! Happy Father's Day! Day. Recently, I had the chance to sit down with a truly amazing woman. Now, I have to warn you, if you're discouraged and you want to stay discouraged, then you may want to turn off the program and turn on the news. But if you're ready to be encouraged, well, here's Ruthie Bolton and the interview I had with her. What a wonderful privilege it is to have with us is our special guest today, Ruthie Bolton. She's one of the most accomplished female athletes in the world. She's a two-time Olympic gold medalist, two-time WNBA All-Star. She's a member of the WNBA Hall of Fame. And off the court, well, she's a mom, she's an author, she's a recording artist, and she served in the military as a first lieutenant. And most importantly, she's a fully devoted follower of Jesus and an inspiration wherever she goes. Uh, What an honor it is to have mighty Ruthie Bolton with us here at Cathedral. Welcome, welcome, Ruthie. Uh, Thank you for having me, man. It it feels great. I I love to come where you're having fun. (laughs) Like you're having a lot of fun. Oh, we do. We (laughs) have fun here at Cathedral of Faith. There's joy in serving God. So, yeah. So, Ruthie, let's start off with your family. I I mean, you come from a a large family. What what was it like growing up in that family? Wow, large family, 12 girls and eight boys. (laughs) <laughs> That's, that qualifies as large. <laughs> 20 of us, you know what? There was, um, it, it was great, and, but the only thing bad about it was at times when there was only like maybe, you know, five cookies left. And I said, Mom, I want a cookie. She said, There's, is there enough for everybody? I said, no. She said, well, you can't have it. You know, I'm like, <laughs> what about a popsicle? So it's all, if it wasn't enough, you couldn't get it. I said, well, somebody got to eat it. So it's like, oh, man, why had to be from a big family? But, but it's just a lot. It, it was a lot of fun. But at our dinner table, it was only eight chairs, so that was sort of that's a saying: move, you lose at the Mississippi Rule. So you have to get there, and you can miss a couple of shifts of eating if you don't, you know, get in when they hear the first bell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, wow! You needed, a, yeah, an eight, you know, eight people around the dinner table, and then. Um, my shopping, I, it, you, I, I don't know if you waiting. had Costco back then, but you'd probably need to go to a Costco. Well, we lived on a farm and we okay. had yeah, uh, chickens, cows. So we had, uh, we planted our vegetables, corn, peas. I love real peas. Okra, which I don't really like okra too much, but all the vegetables. Then she, they killed the, uh, the, the cow and the hog for the food, for the, for the meat. Wow. So, and the chickens, we had eggs. So 
<laughs> so we just had to go to the store for a few things. So yeah, oh, we, uh, okay. Yeah. So that was the real deal. It, Growing, it, oh man, you grew, it, it, that was farm to table right there. For sure. You know, we literally had to be, and I loved outside. Yeah, I loved sure. the farm life. And then probably like five miles down the road, my mom had a sister with 18 kids and they had a farm too. So it was a lot of uh, farm life in the area. Maybe that's something, I think that's why so many babies are born. I think, but we lived on about 10 acres, and I think every acre my dad bought, he said, I think I'm going to get two kids. Every acre, he said, I need to have some kids. In there. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to work the farm, that's right. <laughs> they work the farm, seriously. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, now, you mentioned your dad. It, it's Father's Day weekend, and... I've heard you say that your dad was your role model. I, I oh, love man, that. Oh, man, my dad would just, oh, man, he, you know, I know it sort of sounds cliche, but he was so instrumental in my life and decisions I've had to make. And he was just there just to remind me that, that I had greatness in me. And I was a very insecure girl, not sure of myself, feeling like sometimes they feel like I'm not pretty enough with my hair. And I was always just very, but I was quiet. They said my twin brother took all my words. <laughs> and my dad was just so encouraging. And he just said, he said, daughter. And that's what he called me most of the time because he couldn't remember my name. <laughs> but it's something that he would say. He said, if you take in life with you just a few principles, you won't have to carry a suitcase full of rules. Mm. And the old principle that he lived by was faith, something bigger than him, someone bigger than him, attitude, which is mindset, and character. And that's your decisions you make. He said, daughter, those three things would be the pillars of your life. They would be your cornerstone, whether you got a million dollars in your pocket or whether you got a dollar. And he said, you, you take those with you, wear them around your neck. And so they have been, I've been wearing around my neck for all these years. Wow. What, what a legacy. Yeah. Right? And he was a pastor. Yep. P PK kid. Yep. Yeah, you and I. That's right. Hey, yeah, yeah, that's right. Kid. We got that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, he was definitely. And uh, we grew up, I feel like we, man, I feel like we went to church almost too much. We, <laughs> Sunday, Monday was something. And we get to school and, and they, they, where were y'all at Wednesday? Well, we had prayer meeting, you know, or what about Tuesday choir rehearsal? It was always something. So I was sometimes saying, Lord, does it take all this? You know? <laughs> yeah, but, but I feel I your pain, but I know you feel the pain. <laughs> but, you know, obviously we know that it took that in some. Yeah. So I'm thankful, my dad. I'm thankful Absolutely. for his, his obedience. And, and my dad, yeah. he didn't, he said, I would not negotiate with my kid by going to church. Mm. So it wasn't getting right. up if you feel like you were sick. He said, you'll feel better once you get there. That's right. That's <laughs> it was right. Like, yeah, so, yeah, he definitely, my dad was very yeah. stern and very... He was just a great leader by example. And he just all, you know, he just said, you know what, you must be born again. You got to have mm. all these other things. He said, have God in your life. And he said, you got to have him for yourself. And he would say that over and over. You got to have him as a personal, has to be something personal with you. Mm. What, a, what a beautiful, again, a beautiful legacy to have that with your dad. And um, now, now when you were growing up, when you were a teenager, I've heard you talk about a moment. Now, it seems like just a moment you were trying to, to jump over a fence, but oh, it man, became a defining story. moment. Oh, man, you. you know, the fence story. Okay, growing up in a family of 20, we had to create, we had games. Jumping fences was a game. Jumping over a puddle of water. And I was a serious tomboy. And I had a really, really bad Jerry curl. Do you know what Jerry curls are? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I was a serious tomboy, and I loved physical exercise. And so I used to jump fences and climb trees and no problem. But as I proceeded to jump this fence, this one particular day, I got to the fence, and it seemed like it had gotten taller. And I'm like, what is going on? I know I've jumped this fence before. So mm. I took steps back, and I said, I got this. I got this. Relax. So I 
I proceeded to go toward the fence again, and it seemed like it got taller, like nothing would move. I couldn't even jump this high, and I would, fear was setting in. I'm like, what is going on? So as I'm looking at this fence, I could see them leaving me. But they were like, come on, don't worry about it. I'm like, no, I got it, I got it. So I pondered with that fence for about 15 minutes. And back in the south, the street light came on. And when it did, we had five minutes to be in the house. And, I'm, and that was the worst night. I'm like, I don't want to go in. I didn't jump this fence. And they said, no big deal. They said, just pick up where we left off tomorrow. I said, no, I got to jump this fence. It was something about jumping that fence. The next morning, it was nobody out there with me. I said, I got this. Go back to the bases. You got it. So I look and I said, you got you to see yourself on the other side. See yourself celebrating. So I proceeded toward the fence. I leaped, jumped, cleared the fence. I didn't quite land on my feet, but I landed sideways, but I was on the ground celebrating. Mm. There was no cameras there. ESPN wasn't there. The Hall of Fame committee wasn't there. The Olympic committee wasn't there. Why was that moment important to me? And I asked myself, why was that moment important? 14 years old, didn't know what the Olympic was, didn't know anything about Hall of Fame. That's the moment I started becoming an Olympian. That's the moment I started becoming a Hall of Famer. That's the moment I started becoming who I eventually became because of the faith and because of the inner strength that said, I know I can do this. And you know sometimes when you do things that don't make sense to people, it look crazy. Like I, did, I wasn't peer pressure to do it, but it was something about that was a defining moment in my life. And getting mm. on that fence. So I feel like it represents what is your fence in life? What is that mm. fear keeping you from going to the other side? When you start seeing yourself on the other side of fear, I know I can do this. Because fear paralyzes us. It camouflages God's true greatness. It camouflages what God can, you know, can really do in our lives. And so seeing on the other side and jumping that fence. So I, I know when I go out and I speak and I share, I say, what is your fence? And we all have different fence. What is keeping you from the other side? What has got you handcuffed? And so to me, that moment, and, and not really knowing at that moment, but just, I got this, I want to jump. So, and I, I just have this competitiveness in me anyway, and I just refuse to just walk away. And, and so it was uh, that moment. So I, I always ask, what is your fence? Don't walk away so easily. That's such a great word, Ruthie. In fact, I really think God's speaking to somebody right now yes. and saying, what, what is, is that it? fence? Yes, and, definitely. What is that fence? Yeah. And, and the fear is something that it, it paralyzes us. But it's like, not to even with fear, it's, it's something on the other side. It's, it's, it's false experience and appearing real. But it's like, there is something great on the other side. Mm. And really trying to, you know, when I talk to my players or, you know, uh, when I talk to young women that I mentor, I say, you know what? Take a deep breath. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to not know because if you're never afraid, if you're never unsure, you don't need courage. Right. So that moment, that process, you know, if I know fear exists, fear is here, but I know there's something on the other side and that's to me the process of knowing that, you know what, I got this, I'm gonna rise above it. I rose above that fence and that's why I got on the other side, but seeing yourself on the other side is important. Believing like I am, I can because I am, which is that statement that this is my journey. I might not be where I wanna go yet, but I am in this process in my mind. I'm going, and I'm going to greatness, I, whatever you want. So I always tell, what is your I am? And that's sort of part of that fence. What is your I am? And, and seeing it and give people permission to just, I'm not perfect, but give people permission to say, you know what? I still see it and I want to go for it and I'm going to pursue it. Mm. Well, I love that. I love that, Ruthie. That's such a great word. Mm -hmm. um, now, you, you were, you, your number is retired uh, in the University of Auburn. And yet when you were first getting ready to go there, as I understand it, they didn't think you were going to have much playing time at all. Oh, <laughs> so. man, oh man, that story, I'm going to try to sum it, not with the <laughs> short version of it. But yeah, you know, growing up in, and we were pretty good in high school. I'm like, we won state. You know, my sister, Mayola, she was a year old. You only have one brother, you said? Yeah, one just brother. one brother. Yeah. So my sister, Mayola, she was really good. Like, it was like oranges and apples. 
Everybody recruited her. The top colleges recruited her. She went to her school visit. They flew on a private jet. And, and she deserved it because she, she was a superstar. But we won state, and I could make a couple shots. I felt like I was pretty good. My senior year, we won state, and I'm waiting, you know, I'm waiting by the phone, no phone calls, nothing. No mm. letters in the mail. I'm like, what is going on? Like, is somebody playing a joke on me? I'm like, I'm supposed to be getting ready to get on this private jet yeah, to go yeah, to Auburn right. to go somewhere, even because yeah. you get five visits. And no one moved. And mm. all of the coaches, when they came to my parents' home, said, we'll give both sisters a scholarship. And that enticed my parents because they wanted us to go to the school together. But after my sister chose Auburn, nobody called. And so I remember, I remember talking to my dad. I said, Dad, like, something's going on. It's my time for, you know. He said, you got to call him. He said, I'm like, but why are they supposed to call me? He said, don't give your power away. He said, you got to, mm. you just, he said, you can't sit back and wait. You got to do something about it. So I called Auburn. I said, when am I coming on a school visit? They was like, well, we don't have the budget to fly you. And we will have to put you on a bus, and it would take about 10 hours, and we didn't, not sure if you want to do that. So I'm thinking like, hmm. I said, hold on for a second. My sister's on a private jet. I'm on a bus. Something about that ain't right. Yeah. And I remember like, you know what? And, and nobody else has shown any interest. Mm. We had just won state. And my dad said, he said, daughter, he said, half of the battle in life is showing up. And he said, they said, get on the bus. If you can't, hey, if a door closed, get through a window. Mm. If a door closed, get through a window. But don't sit back and complain. He said, no, you got to, he said, he said, I believe in you. And I'm thinking my dad is trying to just encourage me and lift me up. But that's what dads do. Yeah, right. <laughs> encourage their daughters, saying you great, trying to remind them of their greatness. But I, I was really, really sad and disappointed. Mm. But I said, you know, okay, if I got to get on the bus, if that's how I got to get there. So I got on the bus and went to Auburn. I get there and the coaches called me in the back room. And I said, you know what? I'm excited. I said to myself, because my sister had been there a year already. Okay. So I get to Auburn and, and the coach said, man, he said, I don't even know how to say this. And I'm saying to myself, say what? He said, I don't think you're good enough to play here. Mm. And I'm thinking like, and I'm sitting there like, okay, I repositioned myself. He said, I just, you know, we didn't call you because we didn't think you could play here at this level school, Division One. And when you called us, we told you you had to ride a bus for 10 hours and you still came. And he just said, this is a woman of faith or she borderline, like, how many more ways can we tell her and some, that she sucks? <laughs> right. And so he just... Uh, you know, he just said, you know, I tell you what, I would promise your parents a scholarship. So he said, we'll give you about a week to think about it. And I'm sitting there just mm. mad at the world. I'm thinking, like, Lord, where are you? I've been a good girl. I've yeah. done my, you know, I, I really was sitting there. All the good stuff I've done seemed like didn't pay off. And I'm saying to myself and just mad. I didn't, matter of fact, I didn't even respond because I was so upset. I remember getting home, crying. And my dad said, what did they say? And I said, they said they don't want me. And he said, calm down. He said, once again. Don't take, don't, don't give them your power. He said, it doesn't matter what people say as long as it's not true. He mm -hmm. said, if you don't embrace this challenge, if you didn't get, didn't get on that bus, you will be validating that perspective of you that you're not good enough. He said, but you're going to show them. He said, but you got to have the right mindset. You got to stay positive and you got to, you got to uh, keep a good attitude and you just got to work hard. He said, you have to work hard on your sister. She has more natural talent. He said, but you got it in you. And uh, I was like, wow. Like my, he said, if you get to Auburn, don't make one basket. He said, get an education. He said, but you're going to surprise them all. And I'm like, wow. So sure enough, I go to Auburn, and I end up starting my latter part of my freshman year. And the coaches, they call me in a meeting. They say, you know, they, they said, it's, you can't be the same player we watched for four years. We had no interest. 
And so really, I, mm. I look at that as that God ordered your footsteps. And, but he's not going to, he didn't, when I got to Auburn, we won three conference championships, went to two Final Fours. In four years, 119, no, 119 wins and like 12 losses. He didn't take any shots from me. He didn't do any sprints. The Lord didn't do any push-ups. <laughs> I had to do them, but he gives us yeah. the ability. Yeah. And a lot of times we wait, so we're waiting on God and we're waiting on him. But yes, but there's some things we got to do. Yeah, He's right. not going to do what we should do. So you got to walk in that leap of faith saying, okay, but yeah. my dad was there to guide me. He was there to just remind me, like whispering in my ear, say, you know what, you got this. Mm. And I think that's what we need people in our lives to whisper in our ear, remind us, say, you know what, you got this to edify us, and I yeah. feel like that's what my dad was doing. That's why, to me, I feel like I had the best dad in the world yeah. and because he just at those places, at those scary places of, you know, do I go left, do I go right? And he, was, he didn't make the decision for me. He just said that, you know what? You got this. Trust God. Do what you're supposed to do. Get that. And you work harder than anybody else. And he said, you do that, the rest is the, the rest yeah. going to be gravy. So, and that's what I did. So, Dad, thank you. Yeah. Yes. Uh, again, the legacy and boy, the, the, the step of faith and the perseverance um, that it took, and that that tenacity and perseverance, it it seemed to consistently show up in you, Ruthie. I, I mean, you dealt with adversity in your career. You had this major knee injury. Yeah. Uh, the media said you couldn't come back from it, and yet you did. What was that like? Oh wow! You know, I. And this is late in my career. I'm 30, I'm about 33. This is after the World Championship. I was on cloud nine. We had just beat the Russians and and uh, they had, uh, they had. we were down by 14 or 15 and a half. And supposedly I was the comeback kid. I helped us really win that one. Me, I think it was Lisa Leslie, Donna Staley, myself. He hit like six, 17, 18 points in a row, just all three of us. And I hit two big threes down the stretch. And um, it was just, you know, I was on cloud nine and we had one and I get back to the WNBA team, and I was feeling tired and exhausted. I hadn't eaten. I was just, like, so excited because we had won the World Championship. And I got back, and the first game back, I went to drive into the basket, and, and I heard this pop. And, mm. and that was devastated. I was like, oh, man, I'm thinking I'm here. And then I fall so fast. It's like I go from, like, being on cloud nine, like, life is great. Like, I'm, my feet were, wasn't even touching the ground. I was so excited, you know. <laughs> and then yeah. I... I had a major reality check, you know, I, I, I just, you know, knowing that my injury, because that was one of the worst injuries in basketball, don't ever tell you ACL, it's like starting over, learning how to walk again, heel mm-hmm. toe, heel toe, and I, I got mad at one moment, I was at God, I said, Lord, why, how did this happen to me right now, when I'm really at the peak of my career, you know, and I, you know, I was ready for the WNBA, and, and I just had to, once again, just, just trust him, and just say, you know what, but I know not only who's I, who I am, but whose I am, and I just trust you. And I had to shift the atmosphere, shift my mindset, because you can get into that place of just feeling sorry for yourself. Oh, poor me. Oh, my. I just say, okay, I got to preach what I teach. And I had already been doing a little bit of speaking about attitude. My dad talked about attitude on every door in the house. Life is 10% of what happens to you, 9% how you respond to it. He would post it. Yes, on every door. Wow. It was one would be green, one would be yellow, one would be red. And I always thought about, like, why you got some of the same thing on every door? Now I know why. Yeah. Because he said, I don't want you to just memorize this. I want it to get embedded in your mind, your heart, and your soul because you're going to need it. Mm-hmm. He said, because it's a mean world out there. And your mindset, how you approach every situation is so important because your mindset and how you approach it shifts the whole atmosphere. And like, like a little kitty in the water. And I saw a picture of the little kitty in the water. And the kitty saw itself as a tiger, as a lion. 
And so you got your, your mindset and how you shift the atmosphere. So I, so I had to do that with this injury because I'm considered pretty old at 33 with an ACL injury. So I was going to my therapy and, and I, you know, and I was thinking, okay, I, I could retire. I heard, you know, like a lot of people saying, maybe you should retire. And I'm thinking maybe you know, I've already had a gold medal. I worked, won a world championship, had a pretty good career. And then I read in the paper, someone said, I hope Ruthie Bowden don't come back because she's too old and rusty. <laughs> I said, what? They don't know who they talking to. Mighty Ruthie. I was like, okay, I got yeah. that just motivated me. I was a like, fire, huh? Yeah, so I yeah. started going, doing swimming classes after, like, without my therapist knowing it. And I was doing double days, and they didn't know it. And uh, so I was determined to get back on the court. And I just like, I know. I, I said, Lord, I know. I know if it, if it meant for me to get on the court, I'm going to work my butt off. And sure enough, I did. And I ended up uh, making an all-star team again. I made another Olympic team. And, and my doctor was Dr. Eric Hyden. He's a five-time, he got five gold medals in one Olympics, speed skating. Mm. And, and he just said that, you know what, he, out of 100, not just athletes now, 100 top athletes, 10% of them will come back from that injury, what I had in my knee. My, my, my knee was smashed. They had to shave it to try to make it bleed. It was very bad. Yeah. And at that time in my career, and so that was, that was God. Yeah. That's it. You know, it's, it's amazing, the resilience, the, the grace mm. God gave you in that moment and the determination you had and the resilience you showed. Mm. That's, wow, what a lesson in today's world because, I mean, God's the God of the mountain and the valley. Yes. And all of us are going to have things we have to bounce back from. Mm -hmm. And so whatever people are trying to bounce back from, and no matter how difficult, and even when the critics are saying you can't, you know, uh, use that as fuel use that to as motivate fuel. you. I'm like, how dare you? I don't know if you've seen the movie. Uh, I think it's Man of Honor with Cuba Gooding Jr. Who's the Navy. Oh, and yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, it's like yes. you know, he wanted to achieve yeah. this. He wanted to do it. And they, they said, why are you fighting so hard? He said, because they said I couldn't have it. So yeah. it's like, how, how dare you? And when the coach was telling me that I couldn't play at all, you know, how dare you tell me that I can't, my dream, I see something. You're going to just go ahead on my dreams and take them from me? That's what my mindset. Mm. It's like, no, I want this. And so that's when I share my injury story, and I share my story by getting on the bus. As a matter of fact, my book, The Ride of a Lifetime, mm. you know, about that was the most important ride I would ever take. That was a stepping stone to, to my journey. And, and, and that's why when I share, this is not, you know, of course you can read a book and you can hear someone tell a story, but these stories I have lived. I have lived that story. I know what it feels like on the other side of fear, on the other side of disappointment yeah. and sadness and feeling um, worthy and like, why me? I, I know. And, and really what helped me bounce back from that injury, it really, and I was getting ready to add this to it, my father passed away during my recovery. Mm. And when I thought I had hit rock bottom and I'm worried about my injury and like, Lord, Lord why me? And, and all of a sudden I get a phone call. It came from my twin brother. He said, you know, we lost, our dad's, you know, I was, now you talking about, I, I was empty. My dad was my rock. He was my, him and I had a special relationship. And he was my, just my rock, and, and I was very sad. I very empty. I said, Lord, I know you're still God. I don't need to see the light at the end of the tunnel, but I just need for you to just, I just needed for you to just direct me in the right, you know, because I know you exist. I know you, but I, I need to know. So that's when I really found my purpose through in, my knee injury and losing my father. Because mm. you don't have those things, what do you, you know, and I know my dad gave me enough of a foundation. So I just, it really, he showed me. I came up with my after-school program called Aim High from that, from like, because I was, I was low. You know, you could say, you know, it, it, until you experience it, mm -hmm. I was in a hole and had to get out this hole, get out this hole. And I said, God, I know you. 
I know you'll give me strength. I, I, I believe in you. I can hear your voice calling me and I can see the light. And I just put, I just like, Lord, I know, I know you got me on this stage for a reason and knowing your why. And, 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 and I want to add to one of the reasons why I just, I just kept fighting and believing that God had a purpose in my life. I said, Lord, I know you got something for me because I was in a car accident and I seen you in high school and I was in the back. We headed to church and we was in a hurry and I was in the back and my sister's in the front going to sing and it was just three of us. I was a daddy's girl. Anytime my dad got ready to go, matter of fact, I remember jumping in the car. My mom said, no, you can't go. Your hair is not combed. My dad said, leave alone. She's okay. So I got in the back and I was like, I'm going to church with dad. And we, we, we were like literally, we could see the church and my dad was getting ready to make a left turn. And I seen this 18-wheeler come. And I was like, like, dad, go. The 18-wheeler's coming. He was just sitting there. And I'm just like, oh my God, the 18-wheeler's getting closer. And, and the next thing, what happened, the 18-wheeler tried to keep from hitting us. It hit the back of the car. The car uh, spun around four or five times. I didn't notice, of course. Mm. That was thrown out of the car about, about 10 feet from the car. And they looked for me for about 15 minutes. They couldn't find me. Mm. And when they found me, my head was laying on the Bible in the ditch. A Bible had flown out of the car. And, and many people thought my dad had placed it there as they were praying, waiting on the helicopter to come. It just flew out. And, and we waited there for an hour, and, I, and, and they helicoptered me to the, uh, to the, uh, to the, uh, to the uh, hospital. And I spent one night in the hospital. Nothing, no injury, no internal, anything. And God spared my life. And you, t hey, that might sound like a coincidence to people, but I know God ordered my foot. He said, I got way too many mountains for you to climb, That's too right. many valleys for you to go through. I got way too many. You got to, it's like the world is at your feet. I got too much for you to do. You're not going anywhere. It wasn't yeah. my time. He gave me another lease on life. So that's why, that's what my why is. When you know your why, when you lose your why, you lose your way. And knowing your why, that God gave me this extension on life. So I can't sit up on the shelf and like, I got to do something with it. So I, ever, I said, Lord, you saved my life for a reason. Yeah. You saved my life for a reason. So I just like, I know you're going to get me out of this hole. And sure enough, I just I started coming back from this injury. And, and I, I, I came back and played even better than I did before. So it's like all these different things that God keeps just showing me and that's why I share it's like the leap of faith and so you take one step it's just like Lord I know and I trust in you and just Lord I, I want to be use me yeah use me however you want to use me and, that, and that's my plea it's like Lord use me in every situation mm. well, that's so powerful you know when you lose your why you lose your way yeah so recover that sense of why that sense of purpose that sense of purpose that it, it's that sense of purpose knowing like okay God got a plan for my yeah. life and even that then I knew that there was something happening I was this country little girl didn't like speaking in front of a lot of people and, and even in college but I started after my injury on crutches going to speak I had this burning desire in me to just move hmm. they were like Ruthie you traveling too much I said I gotta go I gotta it was weird it was like I was going and speaking in front of thousands they like you even my own family like you don't even like to say an Easter speech my name is Ruthie Happy Easter <laughs> <laughs> and now you're going to seriously it was yeah. like God made this transformation in my life hmm. He gave me this boldness, be bold, be mighty, yeah. be you. I love that. He created this boldness in me, and he wants us to be confident, and he wants us to be bold. And now in Philippians 1 and 6, he said, be confident that I who start a good work will finish it. Yeah. And that's what my prayer the Lord showed me. I said, I'm on this battlefield, and I'm trusting you. I know my dad, what he said. He said, when he leave here, he might not leave us with a lot of money, stocks and bonds, money to fight over. He said, I want to leave you with principles mm. and sound doctrine. He said, so that you can continue the kingdom of God. And so he did that. And I said, Lord, I trust you. Yeah. And he just started just opening up doors and just creating this platform and the stage to be able to just 
basketball was just sort of a setup. Yeah. He said, I'm going to yeah. make it look like you can play basketball a little bit because I got some amazing things for you to do and a lot of places to go. Yeah, and God's continuing to do that. Multiply your influence out oh, it's, it's in amazing ways. I, you know, I, I don't think, this is not a Bible verse, but it said to the world you might be one person, but to one person you just might be the world. Hmm. And, and seriously, like I live on it. To the world you could be just one person, but to one person you are somebody world you never know. It could be standing in line at, at Walmart. It could be so you never know when you're going to impact somebody's life. You never hmm. know when you can show people, you know, what Jesus looked like. You know, it could be at a basketball game. It could be signing girl signatures. Because if I do signatures, I never always give them a message. Keep smiling. You're beautiful. Hang in mm. there. You know, keep flexing your muscles. Yeah. You know, you know. And so it, it's so important because this this journey isn't about me anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's bigger than me. As we kind of wrap things mm-hmm. up, if, if you uh, had one word of advice to people who have a dream, um, and are getting ready to follow that dream, what word of encouragement or advice would you have for them? If you want a dream. What's the key to reaching your dreams? You know, knowing that you have dreams. I know that reminding, say, you know what, I have, I have dreams. I have to write to dream. And that's what I try to do with mm. young people. Say, a lot of them think, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I've been through, you know, no, I don't have a right to dream. No, you have a right to dream. To not just dream, but to dream big. And it's interesting, I just finished a song that said, dream, dream big. If you want it, you can do it. Dream big, pour your heart into it. If it were dreaming about, you might as well. If it were dreaming about, you might as well. Dream big. Reminding the children to dream big and say, yeah, you have a right to dream big. You fall on your face, get back up. Fall down again, get back up because that is, God has given you the space to dream and to dream big. Ruthie, what an absolute honor and inspiration. It has been just to be with you today. <laughs> hang out with you. Where you oh. been hiding? Now? I'm coming back. Hey, I, I hope you know this is giving me the key to this to this little your little town. Absolutely. Okay. I hope so, Ruthie. I'm yeah, back. you bring your brother with you. Oh, for bring sure. all 20, Man, 20 siblings. I, with hey, you. You, better wa- hey, you better watch what you say to my family. <laughs> hey, don't don't have false invitations because we'll show up. Somebody says, "Oh, come to our house anytime." We'll show up at your house before you get there. <laughs> like, <That's good. laughs> we love invitations. Oh, Ruthie, thank you. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Blessings, Ruthie. You're Thank welcome. you. Thank you so much. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed Ruthie's story and that it was an inspiration to you. And if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ so that you can approach the God of the universe as your heavenly father, I invite you to say this after me. Lord Jesus, I put my faith and my trust in you. Thank you for loving me like you do. I surrender my life to you. Thank you for making me part of your family. Well, if you prayed that prayer, you have just started a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. God is now your heavenly father. Lean into that today. Well, here comes a song that is gonna bless you. Pastor Irene to sing Believe.
Welcome, Cathedral of Faith. Come on, it's it. Hey. Come on, it's time for the rap. The rap. The Father's Day edition. That's Monster right. Dads. All right. Here we go. And we, we just had a great, uh, great service, right, with, uh, and then just with Ruthie Bolton coming and speaking. What a powerful yeah. testimony and her talking about her father and just all mm -hmm. she's accomplished. And, uh, but this is the Father's Day edition, so happy Father's Day to everybody. Happy Father's and Day. Happy Father's we Day. Can't have, we can't have Dad's Day without some dad jokes, so I'll start it off with Oh, us. there you go. So when does a joke become a dad joke? When it becomes a parent. <laughs> okay, here we go. Let's get let's get into uh, some of some of Ruthie's uh, interview, Pastor Cedric. All right, yeah, you know there was so many stuff that was shared in, in, in the uh, um, the interview, but one thing that really stuck out to me was was, um, was that Ruthie said that her dad told her that, that 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 she needs to have God for herself, you know, and 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 I think that's super important because Ruthie's dad knew that she can't just live off of 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 of, of his faith and what he knew of God, but he needed to have her own faith with God. And just like Jesus, you know, he, she, he, he, he asked Peter, who, who, who do other people say I am? And he's like, well, some people say you're John the Baptist, um, Elijah, a prophet. But then he really got to the question he, he really wanted to ask Peter, and that was, well, but who do you say I am? Right, and I think, as a dad, you know, I I, I try to do whatever I can to, to to get my kids to to, to read the Bible, to, to go to church, to, to 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 pray. But but I think what what my heart is is for, for is for each and one of my kids to have their own hunger for God. You know, so so I'm not just motivating them so far, but they have a, a, a self hunger um, to to and and and, to, and just longing to just chase after God. Yeah. They have to yeah. own their faith. Exactly. It's got to be theirs. That's yeah. really powerful. Yeah. How about you, Pastor Yusuf? What did you hear? Um, what I heard, I mean, she went through a lot of stuff. Sure did. Right? Sure did. She, man, her story is powerful. All the stuff she went through and just how she got there, like, against all odds. And I think that as a parent, like, my, I was raised... My dad, my mom and dad were heavy, heavy-duty hippies, right? Mm -hmm. So, man, everything was permitted, like <laughs> everything, right? <laughs> so, and Esther, she was raised, um, she, her father was alcoholic. She, when she was 14, she was already working, helping pay the rent. So that gives, like, an interesting dynamic mm -hmm. in parenting. Mm -hmm. So I think that um, for us, we all want to kind of... Uh, prevent our children to go to difficult times or hardship unnecessarily unnecessarily yeah. and that's like for instance like I had it with my son with juice like he went through some stuff like things happened to him we were not fair and so forth mm. and what we want to do automatically mm. is protect our child mm. yeah it's like I don't want my children to go through what I went through mm. because mm -hmm. I don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Well, what happened to me defined who I am today. It defined my character, mm -hmm. right? So, refined you. Too. Yes, yeah, right. yeah, better. Like I became better yeah. than my my old yeah. um, spoiled me. Like I was yeah. raised as a little yeah. brat, right? So, we need to allow for for um, God, like as God is allowing mm. these things to happen to our children, yeah. so it defines their character that they go through sometimes heavy things mm -hmm. in order for them, for their faith in the Lord and also, hey, I can do this. Yeah. Like I love the thing what, she, what the father said, don't give your power away, yeah. mm -hmm. that we understand that through Christ we can do all things yeah. Yeah. and that they develop that relationship. Yeah, I thought right. that was powerful. No, that's right. Yeah, yeah. because uh, like Pastor Cedric was just saying, like, their faith has to become their own. Oh, and their, their will to survive, their will to fight, you can't yeah, put that in yeah, them. Yeah. They have to develop their own, and it's only developed in the yeah. fire. Yeah. 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 Tell me. That's good, man. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. 
Dr. Wayne, how do, how do you how do you reconcile that tension with like? Well, it's hard because again, we want our kids not to go through what we went through. Mm. When in reality, that's what shaped us and formed us. There's an interesting passage in the book of Psalms. It says that the children of Israel knew the actions of God, but Moses knew his ways. Mm. And I think what we're trying to do is make our kids hungry for the ways of God. That's powerful. And not just get stuck on the actions, the circumstances, what happened. Because the focus isn't what happens to us. The Mm. focus is what we do with it and understanding the ways of God, that he works everything together for good. Even those difficult moments when our kids go through tough stuff, we got to make sure we don't pick up their offenses. And that we make them think, oh, life should be perfect and fair. The reality is there's going to be tough stuff. Let me show you what to do when those moments happen. Uh, so that we don't take up the offense and so that mm. we're not out there just screaming at coaches and screaming at teachers yeah. because our kids got treated unfairly. <laughs> but that we help them see what do you do in this moment when you do face unfairness and when Absolutely. you face those difficult moments. That's so powerful. And you saw that in Ruthie's testimony. Like, um, her, I, I really love the experience where uh, her going from uh, high school basketball to college, mm. she was, they won states. You know, they were like the, you know, the best team and she was one of the stars of that team. And her sister before her was heavily recruited by Auburn, got a private jet out to go visit the campus, got the, you know, the 10, the red carpet treatment. Mm-hmm. And they, and Ruthie here just won states and was waiting for this call. It's like, okay, you wanted my sister, you probably want me too. Yeah. And never got the call. Mm-hmm. In fact, she called them. It's like, hey, is there, yeah, <laughs> you guys, did you guys forget my you phone remember? number? <laughs> uh, and, and long story short, she had to make a 10-hour bus drive wow. out. Wow, wow. And, and so there was a, you know, there's a, there's a discrepancy there. And her dad didn't say, yeah, that's unfair. Mm. Her dad said, don't give your power away. Yeah. yeah. And that's said, if you, wanna, if you think you deserve to be there, you need to go get yeah. there. Yeah. And you need to find your way there. And I, yeah. I, I felt that just yeah. listening to her talk about her yeah. dad because her dad just didn't give her a how-to book. Right. Her yeah. dad instilled some qualities yeah that helped her navigate these yeah. tough times, right? Yeah. If, if everything was perfect, yeah. she wouldn't have the testimony she has. Like yeah. every story, yeah. you need an antagonist. Yeah. You, need, you need a hill. It's not a yeah. powerful testimony wow. unless you've overcome something, yeah. right? So and true. it's because she's overcome so much. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So what a message yeah. there inherent for all of yeah. us yeah. dads and parents yeah. out really there. Really good. Yeah. No testimony without a test. Yeah. And Absolutely. if we pre- pre- keep our kids from having tests, they won't have a testimony. Absolutely. And we yeah. want to declare the scriptures. We're overcomers. We're conquerers. Yeah, definitely. Well, you you got to conquer something, yeah. right? Yeah. You, you, don't yeah. just, you don't just inherit yeah. the right. land. Like you have, to, you, have to, right. you have to defeat the giants. You right. have yeah. to, yeah. Right. Okay, right. let's, let's uh, switch gears real quick. Dad joke. Go. Uh, where does a uh, penguin keep his money? In a snowbank. <laughs> and you know, I was, I was just wondering, you know, I just, it's, it's kind of heavy, you know. It takes guts to be an organ donor. <laughs> Amen to that, brother. <laughs> well, what, what, uh, what kind of noise does a witch's vehicle make? Broom, broom. <laughs> So where does a frog keep his money? I don't know. In a riverbank. <laughs> you know, and as a youth pastor, yeah. how do you weigh millennials? How do you wake them? Weigh. Weigh them. Okay, I don't know. 
in Instagrams. Nah, that's, a good one. <laughs> yeah, that's good. There's some truth to that yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, man. <laughs> okay, um, okay. Oh, Pastor, yeah. you got one? Let's well, see. I had to uh -oh. reach deep down into my database for this one. <laughs> database. But uh, who's the best dad joke teller in the Bible? It's Samson because he brought the house down. Oh, <laughs> oh it's, it's funny and biblical. I yes. love it. I love knock, it. Knock, knock. Who's there? Goliath. Goliath. Goliath who? Goliath down and taketh a nap. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, Dr. Wayne, about being a dad, what has your relationship with your father, how has that informed your relationship with your sons, but also your relationship with your heavenly father? So I, I personally believe that having children is just not a product of physical expressions between a man and a woman. Mm. That God looks for just the right family for every child. Yeah. He knows what that child needs and puts him or her in a family. He also knows what the parents need and puts them there. So I believe that God puts us each there for our own development, for our purpose, our direction. And my dad was an amazing man. He had some great gifts, but like every other dad, nobody's perfect. And I believe that in our father relationship, there'll be some things that God intended for us to model and to learn. There'll be other things that will put in us a hunger for something different that helps guide our lives. And so... You know, the thing I love most about my dad, and what I hear about Ruthie's story, she was one of 20 kids, and yet she had these one-on-one -on -one conversations with her dad. Wow. And I think the best thing I can do is my dad, I knew when he looked me in the eye, when we had conversations, I meet her every night with my boys. I always sat with them on their bed before they went to bed, mm. talked about their day, prayed with them individually. Mm. And I think for me, what my dad did was he gave me individual attention. Mm. And if Ruthie can get that from a dad with 20, wow. you know, those of us with two, three, four, five kids, we can probably pull that off just Absolutely. every day or every other day, getting personal time, even if it's only a few minutes to look them in the eye, to see how they're doing. As they get older, they want less eye contact, but yeah. you, you still show up there and mm. you just have that yeah. personal, because God is a personal God. Yes, he's the God of the universe. Mm. All of us are his children, mm. but he loves me. Mm. And I know that. And I want my kids to know that too. Amen. Amen. Yeah. That's powerful. And I think maybe just to even sum everything up, you know, it's like what we heard from Ruthie's uh, testimony, what we're talking about here and discussing that, that's pertinent to us being dads and knowing our dads is that we want our kids' faith to be our, their own. Yeah. And we, we need our faith to be our own. And maybe if you're listening to Cathedral of Faith, listening here on The Wrap, maybe you haven't made your faith your own yet. Maybe this is a nudge that you're hearing the, the voice of the Father call your name this weekend. And I'm going to ask Dr. Wayne, is, uh, our, who I consider a father, like to me. I really, you have been such a, uh, such a presence to my family. And I just so honor you, so appreciate you. You've been, you've been we've had difficult conversations uh, as a dad does with their kids. And then we've had great landmarking moments of, you know, uh, baptisms and uh, dedications and things like that, birthdays. and um, So I just want to honor you in this moment, say thank you for being a dad. Not, and I know it's not just to me. You do it to so many, and you and your wife are absolutely amazing uh, parents to uh, so many here. So would you pray for, pray for the, everyone out here today? Amen. Lord, you know each one of us listening right now, 
dads and non-dads. It's the same thing. You have a purpose for each one of us. You have a plan for our lives. And you are working in ways we cannot see. And sometimes, like we as earthly parents want to protect our kids from unfairness, we too can sometimes scream at the unfairness we're facing. Why didn't I get a better dad? Why didn't I get a better this or a better that? Or why is this going my way? And why does it seem like everybody else's lives work better? But in this moment, Lord, thank you that you work everything together for good. I pray that you would increase in each one of us as dads the the craft of fatherhood, that we would let your power work in us to care more deeply, to be present, to be be there to represent your heart. Mm, Lord, I thank you that you never give us circumstances beyond what you give us grace for. And so for dads right now, if you gave that son, that daughter, you have the grace for that. But for everyone out there right now, whatever circumstance we're facing, we receive that grace, the grace for a toddler, the grace for a teenager, the grace for being single, the grace for being Mm. married, the grace for being out of a job, the Mm. grace for having a really tough job. Give each person here the grace they need to be and do all that you've called us to. I just speak blessing over our families, blessing over our church family, blessing over this community. Thank you, God, that you are working everything together to make us more like you. May we be Mm. like you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen Amen. and amen. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Wayne. And thank you guys for tuning into the wrap. I just have one question for you. Why do elevator jokes, why are they so timeless? Because they work on many different levels. Wow. <laughs> so we're going to go out of here. We're actually going to end the rap differently. We're just going to go around telling some dad jokes. So go. we're going to fade out. You guys have an awesome Father's Day. Woo. We love you, Cathedral of Faith. How fun. Pastor Yus, you got one? Yeah, I need to write the, read this one. I'll, I know a lot of jokes. This is for chosen generation. I know a lot of jokes about retired people, but none of them work. Oh, dang. <laughs> what did the police officer say to his belly button? Oh, You're under a vest.